This is the Macworld Podcast, episode 470 for August 19th, 2015. We're brought to you this week by Red Hat. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Macworld Podcast. I am a senior contributor to Macworld, Glenn Fleischman, and uh, welcome you here in the middle of summer when it's the doldrums, when things should be quiet, and uh, they're never quiet in the Apple world. And joining me is, as always, Macworld's executive editor, Susie Oaks. Hello, Susie. Hi, Glenn. I'm never quiet either. Is uh, San Francisco quiet this month? Is it just um, like nobody not there? Not yet. That's, uh, that happens when everyone goes to Burning Man. Oh, when, when is that? I can't even remember. It's coming up. It's, uh, yeah, they burn the man, I guess, you know, in the parlance of our times over the Labor Day holiday. So, um, but it, that's the end of the festival. So everyone goes out kind of like that week before Labor Day. And San Francisco's glorious. All of a sudden you can get into all the like cool restaurants and <laughs> you don't have to wait in line for an hour for a fancy ice cream cone. And there's just parking everywhere and the bars are tolerable and it's, it's a, it's a wonderland. Oh, that's like Europe in August, except everything is closed too. Yeah, yeah. Most of the, most of the things are still open, and it's it's really great. That's uh, I have not been to San Francisco during that time. It sounds like a great time to plan a visit because San Francisco is Burning moderate. Man and Thanksgiving are the two times oh. the city empties out the most. In fact, we like to joke that we call Thanksgiving Burning Turkey. That's very funny. That's very funny. Seattle is a funny town. Whenever there's a holiday, everybody leaves. I have no idea where they go. I don't, I don't go there. There must be some secret I wasn't taught in my decades of living here. Uh, but it's that funny thing where, you know, 5 or 10% of people who commute or something maybe stop commuting during that period or they aren't driving somewhere on a weekend. And it makes everything feel like half as full. Uh, so people go to the mountains. They go to the sea. They go to Hawaii. We have a lot of direct flights or nonstop flights to Hawaii. And like Labor Day, Memorial Day, some other holidays, you're driving around. It's like, why is the freeway empty? Like, where did everyone go? I understand that some percentage of people went somewhere, but where did they go? It's a great mystery of cities, this flow. Uh, well, I'm talking to you. This is my first podcast after getting braces. Oh, wow. Top braces. The bottom's going in a few weeks. 47, and I'm not ashamed to have metal in my teeth. Yeah, rock those braces. It's I had braces back in the day. They're apparently, uh, it's, the technology has improved since this is a technology podcast, and mine are transparent. All you see are the wire. It's like a wire floating on my teeth. Oh, cool. And if like you're a, a wrapper. Yeah, exactly. That's right. <laughs> I got my grill. And uh, if you're a kid, you can get multicolored ones, and uh, it's very exciting. Um, Only kids could get multicolored ones? I thought about it. I was like, they're like, you know, you can get transclear <laughs> ones. I'm like, well, what? Maybe I want blue and red. On, and I thought, ah, it's probably a pink? little showy. Yeah. So I went for the transparent. But yeah, it tells you how far. I mean, this is the whole thing. We talk about technology all the time. And usually most technological improvements wind up as micro things that get put inside other things. It's like, just figure out a way to like, you know, give me nanobots for my teeth. That would, that would be an improvement. Yeah. They, they can do a lot with teeth, but it's all very expensive and painful. Oh, time consuming. Yeah, I assume at some future point they'll just inject you with some Someone like gene treatment. Someone needs to disrupt my mouth. Disrupt my mouth. There we go. That's what's that's called getting in a fight on uh, market. I think it'll be called like teeth, but with like no vowels in it. It'll just be t t h dot t h teeth starter. That's when you have lost a tooth. Use teeth starter to get your tooth restarted. Oh my! Well, so we have some news this week. Another week, another exploit. Of course, it's been the summer of security. Yeah, I think it's going to keep going on that way. It sounds like like Apple. Must have had a list of backlog of stuff that they fixed for 10.11 uh, that they either hadn't released for 10.10 or were sort of putting in the pipeline like, oh, yeah, well, let's get this all perfected and then we'll push it out 
security updates when we release 10.11. Because sometimes uh, you've seen that they put out a new system release and they'll they'll back patch a bunch of stuff too. But um, the security researchers out there, some of them are, I mean, there's white hat, gray hat, black hat, and maybe chaos hat. I don't know. There's people who act for their own reasons. And uh, this one, uh, it's, it's a little funny where the person who disclosed it is apparently a teenager in Italy. And he did send email to Apple like a few hours beforehand. He has no beef with them. But this, again, goes in that disclosure thing. It's like if you have something that's going to harm users, why not give a company time to patch? Because you're not, you know, are you not sticking it to anybody? There's nobody harmed. Apple did not lose, you know, $10 billion by you just releasing it early. They're not going to change their behavior. And you're making average individuals, you know, like your mother or brother or child susceptible to uh, being cracked. So I don't get it. It feels like an amorality problem as opposed to a morality problem. It's like, it's like there is a consequence and, you know, I don't know, maybe you have a play there. And this guy didn't even have a political point. It was just like, ah, yeah, I sent them some email a few hours ahead then released it. It's like, ah, come on. Come I on, Biddy. I blame video games or the schools for <laughs> not teaching him proper hacker ethics. It really, oh, like, man. those lessons should be taught at home. I think so. I think so. Well, there's, the message is going out. So it's funny is there's all these competitions. There's these zero days. I think we were talking about last week or the week before uh, these uh, zero day uh, uh, groups. And if you find an exploit for many companies, you go to them and say, hey, I found this cool thing. And they evaluate it and they give you, you know, $3,000 to $50,000 or something. And uh, United Airlines just did this one. And they said very distinctly, this is not related to anything in flight. Do not do anything in flight. Only our website. Do it from the ground after a security researcher was uh, oh, questioned right. after claiming he had accessed a system in flight, which was not very smart of him to have said. Uh, and, That's like uh, making jokes in the TSA line. Like, you just, you should know better. No, I know. So, the, but they did this, you know, so people were attacking their website for, with permission. And uh, someone found us, uh, so one guy um, got, I think, a million miles, frequent flyer miles. That was the reward. And then uh, and he's like, uh, some period later, he's like, wait a minute, they're going to charge me tax on this. Like, Yes, I don't know if he's American or not, but it's funny. Gifts are taxable. So a million frequent flyer miles gets taxed as if it's two cents a mile. And then you, you know, you pay whatever your marginal tax rate is for that. So, you know, it's the equivalent of getting, uh, what is that, $20,000 worth of miles. And, you know, you could wind up paying three or four or five, eight grand, (laughs) depending on what it is. But you still, you got a million miles, you know, you got the benefit. So. Uh, but it doesn't feel exactly like a gift when you get a non-cash thing and then have to pay cash on it. So uh, there was a recent story in the New York Times. They have a column, a consumer advocacy column called The Hagler. And uh, this 80-year-old woman was on Price is Right. And she didn't get her prizes. And she couldn't get the producers to respond. So the New York Times guy goes to them. They're like, <laughs> oh, we must have a mixed message. We really want to get it out there. They said, but some people don't accept the prizes because – the prizes have a tax, you know, uh, uh, requirement with them. So uh, she won like $30,000 worth of stuff. She's like, no, no, I want that stuff. I'll pay the tax on it. I want that stuff. So it all got worked out. America tax situation. Uh, another bit of news uh, that um, unrelated to taxes and exploits is uh, I noticed this the other day and I didn't realize it was new. I was uh, poking at iCloud to get something set up at iCloud.com and I found a uh, there's a restore option now. And uh, Roman Loyola wrote about this at Macworld. It's just a small thing, but I think important to know is that uh, it used to be if you were syncing data to iCloud, uh, like uh, calendar data and contacts and so forth, uh, once it was gone, it was gone. There's nothing you could do. If you had, you know, there's some local copy stuff you could do and whatever, but you're sort of sunk. And now you can actually recover data for up to 30 days for some features and uh, there's some more details. But um, this is a useful thing to know, I believe. 
Yeah, definitely. That's one of my favorite features in Dropbox is that if you delete something, like it's still there. It's not in your your Dropbox folder that lives, you know, as a folder in your in your Mac. But if you go to Dropbox.com, the web interface, which I kind of forget about sometimes, but it's really handy, and that has all your deleted things for the last. I think I think it might be the same. It might be go a month it's back. Thirty days. You can pay for a feature called Pack Rat that I think is I forgot if it's like thirty six bucks a year. I think I'm paying for it, and it gives you a year. They oh, in Dropbox. To, yeah, oh, cool. and so you know, I but I've used that. I've it had saved problems. me so many times. Yeah, I've had problems where somebody else moves files out and deletes them, doesn't keep a copy mm, of a shared those folder. Shared folders. Yeah, mm-hmm. people don't really understand like moving stuff out of shared folders versus copying it. Now I have friends that just send me links to folders, and they're like, "But yes. don't move the files out of there." And I'm like, "Well, actually, this is just a copy. This isn't the shared folder." And right. It's a download. Right. Because there's there's public. Dropbox originally had a public folder that mm-hmm. you could send links to, and people. People could uh, just access stuff via that link, and they had shared folders. Then they added that feature to let you create a link from any folder or uh, file. But those links are essentially downloads, right? I mean, you go. Yeah. Although, if you follow the link and you have a Dropbox account, what I always do is I'll, I'll get the web interface up. It'll say, "Hey, add uh, it to your Dropbox." Right? Yeah, add it to your Dropbox because yeah. right? you could download it, which is what people do. Don't but then have that's Dropbox. still a copy. Like you exactly. could delete that from your Dropbox without deleting it from the other person's Dropbox because it's not a shared folder, which is synced between everyone. Anyway, yeah, the even we, we hand our podcast files over to our uh, wonderful editor Jim. Yeah, shout Jim. out yeah, Jim. Um, with Dropbox, and <laughs> that deleted thing has saved us a couple times. He's like, "Oh, I don't, I don't see any of your files there. That's weird. They were totally there. Okay, they're in the deleted items." So good job, iCloud. Um, I haven't tried it yet, but um, yeah, I will. It's because I mean, I have so everything that's in my iCloud is also synced down to my Mac, to mm-hmm. iCloud Drive, and I do back up my Mac with Time Machine, but this will just be easier, I have to think, to get you know one file back. Well, it's also, it'll, it'll restore it into where you need it. So mm-hmm. if you, you know, if you delete it, yeah, so I mean, you could do, just, just the fact that you can go and click and say restore, then it will sync across everything, right? So mm-hmm. it's, it's dangerous because you could... Um, uh, lose new information if you haven't been careful, right? So if you've updated, you're messed up, right? Um, but of course, then it will archive your current setup too, and you can revert to that. It's I don't know. It's still, but I think for people who don't have Dropbox or aren't using um, some system that lets them, you know, make sure there's a way that they can get back to something they've lost. It's it's a funny thing. Backups are extremely useful, but accessing them are, um, are really tricky. I saw someone complaining about, I won't mention the backup service, so I haven't tested this out, what they're saying, but one of the hosted backup services, they said, uh, you know, I had some issue and I needed to get files back and it took like two days for the recovery to happen mm. from local drives, not on the hosted side, but from a local backup. I've been using CrashPlan for uh, years and years uh, and um, I have uh, generally good things to say about them. It can be, they're, they're still relying on Java, uh, Java is not the way you should be going, and they've been promising a Mac native client for years, and it hasn't not materialized because uh, their business has mostly gone to uh, business customers. And uh, they recently stopped accepting renewals for their home service of longer than one year, uh-huh. which would tell me something about potentially their future direction they're going and uh, makes me wildly looking around. I've got, I think, like because of uh, bonuses and discounts, I think I have four years of subscription left to CrashPlan. Wow. That I, I didn't pay very much for, like probably less than $75 a year all figured in too. So that may have something to do with their business model. Uh, 
but that's useful. Being able to restore iCloud data directly from iCloud, I think, is a nice addition. Gets you closer to feeling like you're getting backups as well as just syncing. I wanted to bring up something uh, from the Mac 911 column. Someone wrote with a question. I actually got a few of these about um, you know USB-C that's in the 12-inch MacBooks. Mm -hmm. uh, people keep asking about that. And um, I wrote this thing up because I thought it would be fun where someone said, all right, look, can I plug the Apple displays? There's the Thunderbolt display and the previous ones that uh, used uh, DisplayPort, which is the same connector, basically. Um, and it's the DisplayPort runs over the Thunderbolt standard. So when you plug in a Thunderbolt cable into a mini DisplayPort, it's, you know, it's a Thunderbolt cable, but it's using the DisplayPort standard. So anyway, and it's backwards compatible. But so Apple does not like removable cables for whatever reason. I hate this. <laughs> yeah, it's annoying. Yeah. So you get a, one of these Apple monitors and the cables are permanently hardwired in. So you can't just, you know, stick a different plug in, which would make it easy. Then you could have plugged in a DisplayPort to HDMI or something like that. It doesn't work. So uh, I found a series of adapters where you could take a, a mini DisplayPort out and uh, it was female to female and then plug and blah and then do this and then get that to USB-C. And then a reader posted a comment said, ah, you're going, one of the adapters is uh, DisplayPort to HDMI and it doesn't work that direction, it only works the other way. Or oh. HDMI to DisplayPort. You only do DisplayPort to HDMI, you can't do HDMI to DisplayPort. Yeah. I was like, oh, because HDMI, again, is a standard that can be encompassed inside of DisplayPort, not the other way around. I'm like, oh, but he said, oh, but you could use, and he had this other sequence of four adapters. And it's sort of hilarious, although <laughs> collectively the cost is very little. Like once you have the Apple HDMI, uh, the what they call it, the digital AV adapter, which is 79 bucks for uh, for the MacBook uh, the 12-inch MacBook. Once you have that one, then, you, you know, you're spending on the order of dollars to get all these others together. So conceivably, somebody out there could try that, see if it would work. Uh, but we're still waiting for the upcoming, you know, apparent revolution of USB-C adapters. A lot of stuff was promised for August and September. I haven't seen much lately. I don't know if you've seen anything. I, I know, actually, I know if you saw something because you'd have sent it on to me. So you haven't seen that. <laughs> I haven't been, yeah, I haven't really seen that much lately. There was kind of a flurry at the beginning there, and then it's sort of calmed down a little. I don't know. Maybe they're hiding in my email somewhere. I'll have to check. But yeah, I wonder if Apple is just going to make a new monitor at some point, or if they're going to stop making, they're just going to stop selling those. Because it is weird that they don't really work with the MacBook unless you buy a bunch of you know, extra pieces, which isn't the Apple way. Um, and just feels kind of wrong, <laughs> not to mention it being annoying to figure out, you know, what what the exact sequence is. Well, it's got the mag, you know, the, the MagSafe connector mm -hmm. on the monitor, and it's got, you know, Thunderbolt DisplayPort. And uh, you have to think, so we know that Thunderbolt 3.0 will actually work on a USB-C connector. And so ostensibly the next, when Thunderbolt 3 is available, it will be uh, connected to, I mean, you'll be able to plug it into you know, whatever USB-C stuff you have. And I don't know how backwards compatible it's going to be with this first generation of USB-C, but I suspect so. I, I'm, you know, I'm still, I feel like it's a little confusing if you don't have a Thunderbolt controller on your logic board. So the original, so the 12 inch MacBook that's out now, we know does, you know, USB and it can do display port over USB-C and, uh, I forgot what other standards is, you know, so those, I think those are the standards is incorporated inside there. Um, but without a Thunderbolt controller, will it be able to read the signal or will it just revert to DisplayPort? Will we be able to do whatever? So I suspect you need a revised uh, MacBook. 
and uh, that will have Thunderbolt 3 in it and um, for us yeah, for any interaction. The, best, the next MacBook will probably have Thunderbolt 3. It really should. Yeah. And maybe and App, Apple should do a, a big monitor that has kind of Apple TV kind of, um, you know, AirPlay built in. So you could use it almost wirelessly as a monitor. You could use it wirelessly as a monitor for your for your Mac, um, and also send content to it from your iPhone or your iPad. And then it should have a bunch of connectors on the back. It should have HDMI. It should have USB C. It should have Thunderbolt. I know and they hate connectors. It's so, I know, it's like but if put them on the back. <laughs> the Thunderbolt uh, display, the one that, that is you know currently for sale, has like a little hub in the back, but it's all you know kind of peripheral things. Yeah, you know the um, perfect Apple product would have no ports. It would just be inductive charging, and everything would happen wirelessly. Even though wireless wouldn't be fast enough for many of the things that would need to happen, it's still. You know, it's. I think that's the thing is like a entirely sealed. The ultimate Mac product actually would just be a a brick of aluminum or aluminium without any display or control or buttons or ports. You just it would just be a thing, and somehow you'd interact with it and it would do things for you. I don't know. Yeah, what. I want kind of a hybrid sort of thing where it's a monitor when I need a monitor, and then I can kind of flip it over, and boom, it's an Apple TV, huh. and it just you know it kind of goes both ways. It's, it's connected to the internet by itself, so if there's no Mac there, it will still, you know, be able to watch Netflix and all the stuff I keep buying from the iTunes store because I'm weak. <laughs> That's what I really want. Huh. Uh, well, uh, let me take a break and thank our sponsor, and then we'll talk about what we have heard is coming with the Apple TV. Speaking of Apple TVs. <laughs> about what we're actually getting. <laughs> That's what we're going to get. Yes. Not our, not our wish, but uh, let's, uh, let me pause and thank Red Hat. Uh, which is uh, our sponsor this week. Now, uh, you may not have heard of Red Hat unless you're in the enterprise space. And even then, you might be surprised to know how pervasive it is. Because, you know, just for instance, every commercial bank in the Fortune 500 relies on Red Hat for enterprise software. It includes every department in the executive branch of the U.S. government, every airline in the Fortune Global 500. Over 90% of all the companies in the Fortune 500 understand the value that supported enterprise open source software brings to their business. So if the value of open source is rapid innovation, freedom, interoperability that comes from community-powered technology, then the value of Red Hat is taking responsibility for that technology, testing it, enhancing security, and certifying that it will work in your data center. What's Red Hat doing that makes such a big difference? Well, it's simple. Simple but not easy. They make sure you get all the benefits of open source without the risk of doing it all yourself. No one else can make that promise, much less keep it. So visit redhat.com to see how they can help your enterprise with application development, storage, and cloud computing. Red Hat, different for the sake of better technology. And thanks to Red Hat for being our sponsor this week. Uh, so Apple TV... We hear rumors, and these are again. You know, we always talk. We talk about rumors, but rumors. It's funny. In there's there were, rumors, and there's rumors. Well, there was a point <laughs> when I felt like Apple products were surrounded with rumors, and a lot of them were bad. You know, they had a much better. They were clamped down more. I don't know if their supply chain was shorter or people didn't care as much. But you'd get uh, you know fifty rumors, and thirty of them would be terrible. Would turn out false, and you get fake photo mock-ups of devices. Now. 
the rumors tend to be uh, from the sites that are more reliable, like 9to5. or just, you know, It's not rumors. They're leaks, basically. They're information they get from insiders, and they report on. And 9to5Mac is one of the premier ones that seems to get you know, where all the bodies are buried. Uh, but they, the stuff they report tends to be uh, wind up accurate. And if it does not happen the way they say, it's because a change was made at a later point or a product was delayed. So we're hearing that with... Uh, Apple's plan to offer a la carte TV and uh, TV bundles, uh, like um, we're seeing with some of the other services we've talked about in weeks past. Uh, that has not come to be yet, but that yeah. sounds like it's because of Apple's deals, not because the information was wrong. And I, it's and sometimes Apple is leaking stuff strategically to uh, newspapers, especially the Wall Street Journal, I think, is still their go-to place to kind of give essentially authorized off-the-record or author, authorized anonymous information. Um, yeah, but, John over at Recode gets some good stuff. And of course, Mark Gurman at 95 yeah. Mac. Yeah, so yeah, this is things that we call them rumors, but they're actually it's more like ex uh, strategic leaks or you know insider information that they've been able to get a hold of. So we, you know, it tends. It really is. I'm, I'm more willing to talk about it now than it used to be because it tends to be more accurate. So, so what's the what's the big news that uh, sounds like it's going to come with Apple TV at this upcoming September 9th event, just uh, three weeks away? Well, September 9th is also still unconfirmed. Um, that was just sort of like, oh, that's about a year from the last event. Oh, that's right. That's no um, but that might, that might be coming from, you know, a source deep inside Apple, too. Right. But uh, they haven't invited anybody yet. So, um, but the alleged September 9th event, which would traditionally be the new iPhone, um, will probably also be the new iPhone. But then um, I guess there, we might see the Apple TV. That was first mentioned as being ready for WWDC. Then it was held back because of this live streaming thing. It wasn't ready because they still had to work out deals with all the content providers. Um, so now I guess they're going ahead with the Apple TV box, but the live service still might not be ready. But everyone's ready for a new Apple TV, so I yeah, I think if they waited longer, I mean, we, I thought some of the some of the information is that it might be not till spring or well, at least next year, but maybe not even spring. And and I think I think their hobby service. has turned into a real product, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not. Uh, I just saw the other day. I believe that Apple TV accounts for the majority of streaming on mm -hmm. from hardware. So you know, they got to refresh. It's since what 2012 was the last refresh, yeah. and I can see them biding their time. And then Tim Cook saying. All right, screw it. Let's get this darn thing out there. Yeah, they need they need a refresh really bad because so it's the most popular, but it's also kind of the worst. Like the other the, the other two are way ahead. Like Roku is better because it's got um, it's got the the SDK and it has um, the cool remote that has a headphone jack on it. That's pretty cool. It's a lot faster. Um, the navigation just seems fresher. Um, Fire TV totally owns Apple TV as far as speed. And as far as um, it has a universal search and there's a microphone embedded in the remote so you can search for things by voice, which works really, really well. Um, so Apple has some catching up to do. It sounds like they're going to be incorporating a lot of the best features from their competitors, which is a smart move. But yeah, we just need better hardware and we, it needs to be faster, more reliable. Mine kind of, you know, will restart itself just randomly. And sometimes it can't find the store, even though the, the internet seems to be working on every other device. So yeah, I just had, uh, I have a previous generation one because I didn't want to, at the time I got it, then they came out with the uh, current Actually, do I have a previous? I can't even remember. I think I have a – are they up to fourth generation now? Uh, I thought it was only third, Is but – third? Oh, God. It's so hard to track. I mean, again, nice to have product numbers occasionally. Yeah. Third generation. Yeah, I think I have a 
I want to say, do I have a second? I can't even remember now. It's black. Is that third? Yeah. Well, there there was a black one. It, so the, the <laughs> big white one was the first, obviously. Yes. And then the black one. Um, but then there's been a second black one. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. So there was a third generation in 2012. And then there was another third generation in 2013. Yes. So, I have. Oh, I see. Yes. Okay. So I have a second generation. So it doesn't have all the features. Uh, but it has most, and I don't want to buy. I, you know, when when the new one came out, I was like, there is nothing that's really totally useful for me. I mean, it'd be nice to have 1080p. At the time, I only had a 720p high def set, and now I've got, which I know it makes me sound like I'm, I'm old, right? I only had that, but now we have a 1080p set, and uh, I wouldn't mind having. Just calling um, it a set sounds kind of old. A set. My aerial antennas are <laughs> actually. I have an aerial. I got one up on the roof. We talked about that. I want my over-the-air TV. I see. I'll uh, sit around the wireless. Yeah, but uh, so I didn't want to get a new one until because I thought at any point they're going to release a new one. I'll wait for it. Maybe they'll put a base station functionality into it, which would make sense to me. Although now I think probably not based on what we're hearing. And that would be uh, cool, though. I would like that. Yeah, because it's. I mean, it's. It's got. It, it doesn't take that much energy to run a Wi-Fi hub, and it would make perfect sense for it to be doing. You know, even if only supported ten devices, like the. Uh, Airport Express is a you know ostensibly yeah like a repeater designed for yeah but it'd be nice yeah. it'd be nice but I don't think they're I don't think they're gonna so that, I was that hasn't been rumored I mean that could be one of the things that you know nobody got and then it just a little I know it's like it, it would take like one percent of its processing power to manage being a Wi-Fi base station on top of everything else that happened uh, and it's a HomeKit hub so yeah so it needed a better Bluetooth radio and it's going to have Siri support is one of the the rumored things we should get into what's actually rumored oh yeah so um, I, iOS 9 it's going to be it's going to be an iOS device which is cool because right yeah. now it's running like free BSD I think yeah and so that might not mean a lot to to the people like it, it might you know net BSD sorry um it, it might not change the I mean it, it needs a new interface the interface just looks kind of stale but the fact that it's running iOS 9 versus whatever's running now will be more important to developers. They could write better media streaming apps. Um, it's rumored that there'll be an SDK. Um, it, they could even do games. Fire TV did games, um, and it, it hasn't really been a huge selling point. Uh, they, they made a, a controller that kind of looks like a PS, a PlayStation controller, and you can play games on your Fire TV. They're kind of, you know, Android games that were scaled up a little bit, and a couple games have been written just for Fire TV, but they're mostly the kind of, you know, shooters and racing games that you would find on a, on a high-end tablet or phone, not, you know, really crappy ones, but, um, you know, nothing that, not, not the same level that you'd get from an Xbox One or a PlayStation 4. Um, but it, it, it isn't that big, great on Fire TV. That doesn't mean that Apple won't do it better. I'm just not super excited. So I don't think <laughs> we've heard rumors yet of a specific processor in it, and, um, I wonder if it'll be an A8, which is in the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus, which uh, is about to be apparently superseded by an A9, of course. Those, those numbers go in sequence. Uh, but that would I would think that an A8 would give it, or maybe even a previous generation chip, um, would now be inexpensive enough for them to include... God, I wonder, though, at that price point, maybe not. If it's going to be... Do we think it's going to be 100 bucks? That's, I don't think I've seen that either. Um, I haven't seen anything about price. I would guess a hundred bucks. Um, they did lower the price of the current one to seventy dollars, so a hundred dollars um, wouldn't feel too expensive since that's what it used to sell for, and the the seventy dollar one is kind of on sale. A eight might um, be too expensive then to put into something if it's a hundred bucks, even though it's been in production for a bit now, almost a year. Um, 
I wonder. I wonder if they'll have to use a previous generation, like an A6 maybe? 9 to 5 Mac and BuzzFeed both think it'll be an A8. Interesting. And right now it has a single core A5, and they're saying oh. dual core A8. I would expect that I don't know like, if that's from sources or if yeah. that's just... You know, Gosh, but I'd suspect guess. that would be like 20. God, what are the processor price? It's going to be like 20 bucks. I mean, be a big part of the cost of the thing will be the chip, even though Apple's making it. I mean, I guess that's a funny part, right? Because they're licensing ARM technology, but they're having it manufactured for them and in, you know, huge hundreds of millions of units. So maybe they got to a unit price now where it makes sense to just make, you know, whatever extra millions and the per unit cost is winds up being uh, relatively trivial. I, it's funny. I would think it would be. A significant portion of it. So if it's got an A8, though, it should be able to drive a you know a 1080p because that's the uh, the iPhone 6 Plus, right? Is 1080p? So yeah, the iPhone 6 Plus is a is a 1920 by 1080, so that's a full HD display. So it's just bigger. It's the same thing, bigger. And I mean, you have to figure out what kind of graphical if there's any graphical co-processing or other stuff that's going to be in the. Uh, and the Apple TV, but it doesn't seem unreasonable. I mean, a few years ago, you'd be like, well, you know, what can they put in a box that small? And then you're like, all right, I got this tiny thing in my hand that is <laughs> that's super powerful. So, and it doesn't have AC power. You know, the, the, some of the limitations of a phone are the fact that it's got to conserve uh, battery life and the fact that you can, you're going to be plugging your Apple TV in. It takes some considerations out. You don't have to be as conservative when you can pull AC power. Yeah, you could probably run it a little hotter and really really squeeze more out of it and since you're not worried about conserving battery life. Um, 9 to 5 also thinks it'll have more um, RAM, which is, you know, kind of a gimme. But they're also speculating on more flash storage. So the current Apple TV it has 8 gigabytes of flash storage, but you don't really control that. That's just kind of, you know, for caching what you're watching. Um, so they think it might quadruple to 32 gigabytes. But then they have this weird speculation that perhaps there will be multiple storage tiers, like with the iPhone, now that the current 8 gigabyte uh, eight gigabyte Apple TV is at $69 price point. I oh. really doubt it since it's all about streaming. Like it's, you I, can't store enough. I mean, you have no. five gigabyte movies. I think it's going to, what I think it's going to do is more efficiently cache. Uh, yeah. So you'll download a, it might have, what it might have an option is uh, when you buy on any of your devices, your Apple TV, I mean, cause you can do this now. You have that automatic download iTunes purchases to devices. And I have that disabled almost everywhere because otherwise I wind up with multiple copies that I don't need on devices that don't have a lot of storage. I've got some limited things where the Apple TV might have an option that says download most recent movie purchased on iTunes. I mean, you'll need some storage for the apps. Maybe it's all just apps or maybe, you know, apps and photos. Like right now my Apple TV grabs my photos from iCloud to show me a pretty screensaver. And then everything that I watch on it is just streamed over the network. So the storage doesn't really matter, but I'm not installing, you know, a lot. The channels are just kind of there and I can take them all, I can hide them, yeah. but I'm not, you know, going to an app store. They think there'll be a, like a real app store like Roku has. Oh, well, and, that's when you need the storage then because not right, just for the, only for the apps, but also the that. apps will need their own ability to cache and store stuff. Um, I, this is but I don't I get, think they'll do tiers. I don't think they'll no. be like, get an 8 gigabyte one or a 16 gigabyte one. Because like they did that with PlayStation and it was very confusing. And I just, I don't think they're going to do that. It's not enough storage for a fixed device when you already have a network available. It's like, uh, why would I get more when I can just throw a terabyte drive on for 60 bucks onto, 
any machine on the network. The thing I do wish it had, you know, maybe not time machine. Now, that would be sort of silly. Like it doesn't have to be a universal appliance, like some of the Microsoft stuff that's used. You know, Microsoft has for many years made really good network appliances for its, you know, uh, uh, and this is where I'm embarrassed to say, I forget, it's not home, I can't remember they call it anymore, Microsoft Home Server. The Media Center PC? Media Center. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And those, I mean, I've heard good things. If you get them configured, right, they're really yeah, good. They're really and, good. you know, but the, uh, I feel like Apple has these certain kinds of obsessions. And at one level, I want the Apple TV to have an option to have a terabyte drive, like not built in, but give me a USB port that I can plug in any drive. And then I could have that be my iTunes library. Why isn't that where my music and everything's stored? So I buy a movie on my iPhone and one of the options is download automatically to my storage attached to my Apple TV. And I don't think Apple will do anything like that because it's not all in one. They don't want to have a separate part. You know, Time Capsule has you know integral terabyte drives, but that's because it's got a very specific purpose. It's a base station plus backup. And um, much as I'd like it to be, ba I almost want Time Capsule to be base station backup plus Apple TV and also store my iTunes. But I don't, I just, it doesn't seem like the kind of thing Apple would do because it's not a simple enough thing to explain. Yeah, it's, it's pretty complicated. I think they need to make it as simple as possible. Um, and that's why they're also rumored to be adding Siri and, uh, and, and a global search feature like the Fire TV has. So I think those are both absolutely needed um, for finding content and for launching apps and also for HomeKit. I mean, the, the more HomeKit things you have in your house, like the more of a pain it's going to be if like you need to have your phone or your Apple Watch ready to go to you know talk to them all the time. Like flipping on a light is easier because you just walk up to a light switch. But if, you know, your living room is always kind of listening for these, these HomeKit commands via your, your Siri on your Apple TV, that would be really handy. Um, obviously, they'll have to let people turn off the, you know, if there's a kind of an always-on listening thing, that's a privacy, um, a privacy uh, worry. So they'd have to let people turn that off, especially, you know, some people don't want to get any HomeKit stuff and then they don't want their Apple TV spying on them all the time some of the smart tvs do that they like listen all the time and it's really creepy but the global search is super super needed um because right now you know if you want to watch the big lebowski you might start off going to the itunes store but really it's it's in netflix and you would have to search all the different channels individually to be able to find it you'd be like oh is it an hbo go no is it a netflix yes okay okay good so uh, a global search is, is really, really needed. The Fire TV does it really well. Um, the only thing Apple will really have to nail is um, let, making people um, trust that it's going to um, offer them the stuff that they would get for free over the stuff yes. that they could buy. <laughs> yeah, I want to see a list of that. I mean, you go to Google. If you search on Google website, not through uh, – I don't know how this relates to the uh, to their Chromecast uh, – situation, but you'll search on, like, I want to say, oh, is Mary Poppins available? And you see all the options. It usually has a list on the right that's a separate, you know, like information bar from the search results. And it shows you the prices at all of them. And yes, maybe Google mm -hmm. Play is at the top, sure, but it's not hiding it. My, you know, gripe, as I'm sure yours is as well, is because Amazon and Apple are competitors for blah, 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 you know, there's not, we're never going to see an Apple app. I mean, Amazon app in the app store, are we? Probably I mean, not. Not, not no. for video streaming, I should say. 
Um, I, it would be really surprising if they had an Amazon Instant Video app. Although, you know, if there's an open SDK, like, you know, there's a there's an Amazon Instant Video app for iOS, and Apple has been fine with that. You can't actually buy things through it, but you would go to your, you know, friendly neighborhood web browser. You could buy or rent content from Amazon, and it would show up in this app. That app also airplays to the Apple TV. Right. So you have to have an iOS device in the middle doing the streaming and, you know, have, keep it charged and all that stuff. So it's it's not as, as seamless as if there was an app on your Apple TV. I just but if feel they like go they to should, Open SDK yeah. and Amazon writes one and submits it, I mean, it's possible. Well, then they'd have a, you know, they'd have a federal case then too. If Amazon as a, you know, if Apple refused to let a competitor use its SDK on, and let other similar competitors like Netflix uh, well, I guess Netflix is precisely similar. They'd have to. There would have to be other video services like Amazon, of which there are plenty, would have to all be barred as a category. But even then, that might be considered an issue. So you know, Amazon or Apple has backed off in the past at certain kinds of things related to um, its App Store guidelines for uh, iOS because of interest by Congress or or the Feds, and they just backed down from some provisions. That uh, so. So I have a Samsung TV that's kind of crummy. I think I've said this before. My kids say, oh, the TV lies, is their comment. Because (laughs) it'll bring up, it's got uh, its own software, and then it's got some kind of, I don't know who wrote it. Maybe Samsung wrote it, but I suspect written by the companies. It's got Netflix software, and it's got uh, Amazon software. And you hit the button, and it basically reboots into what looks like a different operating system, different you know TV-based operating system. It's not an SDK. It doesn't feel like an app. They have apps, too. Because, you know, TVs need apps. Let me tell you. (laughs) A TV needs an app, especially from Samsung. I hope it has weather and stocks. Oh my gosh, yeah, it doesn't have stocks. What would I do without the stocks app on my TV? I'm never going to be able to t- live without stocks on my, my Apple My TV. favorite thing is now you turn on a TV and because Samsung is discontinuing some service that I never used, or maybe I signed up for at some point, but it's not a subscription thing. After a few moments, a banner shows up on the top of the screen that you have to use the Samsung remote control to dismiss. It says, such and such service is going away on July, whatever. Click here. And I'm like, you're a TV. You're a TV. <laughs> Stop this. Gosh, darn it. Uh, but It's the it, Internet of Things. But so, I'm, so we can bring – so right now I have you – know, my, my wife, Lynn, is a technically sophisticated person who could care – no less about technology than she already does. There is no lower bar than she can get. It's a tool for her. And she does not want to master our home entertainment system. And I don't blame her because I usually am swearing at it. And she's like, all right, can we watch Saturday Night Live? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I've got an over-the-air thing. You know, I wrote a review for Macworld. She's like, yes, yes, that's fine. Can we watch it? I'm like, yes, it's Just recorded it on, on my TV. or recorded on a Mac on a different part of the house on the network and here's our TV and I've got an airplay connected. So if I have the IEYE TV app, I can uh, bring up the video that's elsewhere in the house and then I airplay it too. And she's like, just can we, and I'm like, let me try like, Oh, you know, and then finally like, all right, maybe we should just buy the current episode from iTunes. (laughs) Like, all right, let's see now, you know, wait, the Apple TV is crashing. It's showing three icons, whatever. How do I find, can we watch it on Hulu? Oh, Hulu. Well, maybe we can watch it and bring up Hulu and then Hulu doesn't, you're just like, all right, books sound great right now. That's, that's our household. So it'd be nice to have poetry. Integrated, you know, if it had Mac, if, if Amazon and Netflix were both in the Apple TV, I would not need as much of this. Yeah, the Apple TV is still the best box if you have some stuff from Apple and some stuff from Amazon. Like you can get Amazon on Apple TV if you have an iOS device to put in the middle, but if you have stuff from the iTunes store, you really can't watch it any other way. You know, you can't, I, I guess you could watch it on your computer and then Chromecast your computer. 
No, 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 that wouldn't, that wouldn't work. That wouldn't work. <laughs> like, that wouldn't work. Never mind. Give me yeah, one so box. Like, I, I, I keep buying stuff from Apple like an idiot, and it's the least portable stuff. I but, know, but um, they have. So, yeah, I, I like I, their interface excited. best, though. Like, we just bought Mary Poppins. My yeah, children are now obsessed with Mary Poppins. Oh, that's a good one. And I think we paid 15 bucks, and it has all the extras. It's basically, um, it's one Every of those enhanced. Sing, stay awake, I fall asleep. Ah, oh, stay awake. I can't sing more than 29 seconds of it, or we'll be sued. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. You have all the songs memorized again, but they have they have the extra iTunes extras, and it is actually uh, I think more convenient than a DVD because mm-hmm. we just hit the button and within a few seconds it starts up, and we get all the features that we would have gotten on without having a second disc or you know buying the new Blu-ray or whatever. Yeah. Oh, we've been buying all the kids' movies. It's so fun. We just bought Despicable Me too. Oh. But yeah, they have all the cute little extras, and yeah, I keep I keep buying them. I don't know, but that's okay. I'm 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 all Apple. I'm all in. So I'll just I'm really excited about a new Apple TV. I really want to replace that well, one because th- I mean, we're all cord cutter. So everything we do is pretty much through the Apple TV. And I have the other ones, but since I have so much content from iTunes, it's Apple TV all the way. So September 9th could not get here fast enough. I'm just waiting to cut my Comcast cord because they're too expensive Let for what they it. deliver. And I'm still, the f- I can see the fiber. I'm, every week I'm going to say this. I can see <laughs> there's an orange sleeve on a pole. That's our new podcast segment. Like, it says fiber on it. And they just the haven't, they haven't lit it up. And I have a neighbor who used to work at Google and I uh, was at Google for many, many years. And he and I are both like, he was like, oh, they put, you know, we're just like, is it, he has an email for some poor person outside of uh, Century Link Telecom question. Co, whatever our local company is called now. And he writes that person says, look, are you in our neighborhood yet? They put the fiber in like four months ago. He's like, oh, we'll let you, we'll be there soon. Oh. Like, just light it up. Um, but once I do that, because we only have, we have three megabits per second up and about 15, I think we get 15 down. And any change I make is tricky at this point. So we can do streaming services, but it'd be much, we'd be in much better shape if we had, we're going to get, I'm going to get gigabit for crying out loud because it won't be that expensive. Uh, but then that puts more, you know, puts more onus on the services we have. And if we want to be doing HD streaming and make sure it's reliable and Comcast gets overloaded. But uh, yeah, I just want, because all the streaming services have gone app-based, I want those apps on my Apple TV and I want all of them. I don't want just some. I want all of them on the Apple TV. Plus, what's the interface going to look like? That scrolling thing right now is everyone's bane. Uh, something has to change there too. Yeah, so the another rumor is that um, there will be a new touchpad remote control um, and a new interface. So that would be great because, yeah, the interface now is a little annoying. I kind of want them to do something about the strip along the top that shows you. Um, so my, my son and I watch Apple TV together, and he is just he doesn't believe me that we don't own all those movies. <laughs> like he does, like he just thinks that it's absurd. He's three. He thinks it's absurd that like, he's like, I want to watch that one. It keeps showing us that movie home with the little alien. And we, we've seen the trailer. We, we'll watch all the trailers for them. Oh and yeah. Sometimes that's good enough for him. Cause he doesn't get the difference, but, but it's weird. Like they'll show six titles up there and five of them I don't own. And one of them I own. And that's, I don't know. I don't like just trying to being sold from the, the moment I step in. I think that's kind of obnoxious. So I would like them to do away with that. But yeah, I think there, it will get a new, if, if they're totally changing the operating system, they're going to do apps. It, it sounds like it's going to be a very, very complete overhaul that we haven't seen on the Apple TV yet. I am looking forward to a new Apple TV. Yeah, and me as too. As are you. It's uh, a good one. I like, I like, it's one of my favorite things Apple makes. 
I just, uh, yeah, you know, it's funny for what it was when it first came out, it was sort of ungainly. It's like the, it's the, you know, pardon the phrase, but it's the, uh, what do they call it? The redheaded stepchild. And I, I like redhead, redheaded people. <laughs> I like freckles, <laughs> like red hair, like the Irish. It's a very nice hair color. Scots. Yeah. But that's the, that's the phrase. Redheaded stepchild. Is the, yeah. is the Apple's always been like, yeah, we got this thing over. Oh, it's a hobby. They always set expectations low. And I think it's always because. The TV broadcast and, you know, cable, whatever world is so terrible. Apple never felt like they could break through that except for programming. I mean, look, on the iTunes side, we know the music thing. They were able to get uh, some leverage because, you know, Jobs was involved in that. He's a good talker. And then the movie part, hey, you know, Jobs is the largest single shareholder in Disney. And, um, you know, they had some leverage and whatever. And they also took advantage of markets that were in bad shape. And I would say the TV market is not necessarily in bad shape. It still makes a lot of money. It's not like a um, – the, the advertising revenue has shifted around uh, and people have gone to cable and satellite and online access. But – it's not like the music industry where they're like, everyone's pirating everything and we're all doomed and we need a savior. And Steve Jobs is like, hey, I will make you some money. And they, you know, shook his hand. Uh, it's it's not quite like that. And, um, and there are so many ways you can legally get or inexpensively get television content. And so I think Apple shied away from that for so long. And that's why they downplayed what the TV, Apple TV could do. And now they're at a point where they're in a position of strength and everyone has an app for different things. You can, you know, stream content through your iPhone and iPad. So they need to bring the full power of that and they're ready for it. And then we'll get TV channels at some point. I I might actually subscribe to some TV bundle too, which would be weird because I haven't had cable TV forever. Um, so, and you know, I've got over the air for some things, but uh, there's occasionally I'm like, you know, I might get FX or, um, you know, something like that. Like I want to watch all the Simpsons ever. Maybe I want FX, maybe I want, uh, you know, home and garden or I don't know, something like that. Yeah. There's a lot of content that I would be willing to pay for. I do pay for a lot of stuff now. And, but like you said, there's so much you can get for free, but it's sprinkled in so many places across, you know, the wider internet. And different devices, different accounts, different logins. And so the there's a good opportunity for Apple to come in and simplify it. And if the simplification ends up looking kind of like cable, like, okay, here's a small bundle and you pay us a flat fee per month, sort of just like cable, but better for all these reasons. Um, I think that that could be really compelling to a lot of people. <laughs> I am with you. I think, you know, one of the funny parts about the TV industry, I think we talked about this months ago, is that... TV channels, or sorry, local broadcasters thought at one point uh, when satellite came out, particularly that they were going to essentially implode. And there, I think it was the 1996 Telecommunications Act. There's uh, some rules that that allow, that require cable companies to carry a certain percentage of local channels, but they also allow the channels to negotiate on whatever rate they want to be carried. So at one point it was... Uh, uh, you know, this is why the t uh, local TV stations didn't appear in satellite broadcasters who had limited channels originally, too. There was a whole issue with that. You had to prove you couldn't get a good signal locally, and they could even come out and, and challenge you at your house that you couldn't receive them. It was a whole wild thing. But the, the fundamental thing was t uh, local broadcasters uh, originally 
thought they were going to have to fight to be included. And then it turned out, hey, wait a minute, the cable companies really want the local content. And they've been able to use that to, uh, you've seen blackouts in different places for different mm-hmm. channels or networks. Uh, so many billions of dollars a year now spent cable companies and satellite companies paying local broadcasters. So even as local advertising has gone down and viewership has gone down, people still want the programming. And so the, they, the money's coming from a different source and the market's changed a lot. So we're going to see like those local broadcasters still have a lot of power. They have a lot of lobbyists. Some of them are owned by TV networks. Uh, some of the rules changed around that. So you know, NBC owns stations and CBS and so forth. So and NBC, of course, is owned by Comcast. Just to be confusing. It's all, it's all a little yeah. nuts. It's all one giant ball of wax. And that's it's why, a it's, huge mess. Fix it, Apple. Yeah, well, it's a reason why it hasn't untangled is it is such a mess, and, and now it's starting to come apart. And I think uh, the incumbents are all going to figure out ways. They're finally jockeying, I think, as you see HBO and all these other networks try to figure out the future. They're all jockeying to get in on the cord cutters, and, and eventually we will just have you know some percentage of people will be getting you know the equivalent of broadcast of cable and satellite and whatever. And uh, but probably the majority of people will be getting IPTV of some kind, like either on demand or you know tune in to uh, IPTV is really tune in to live, you know whatever's being broadcast live on the channel. And I think that's going to happen as well. We'll be there. I mean, Apple. This is the other thing is Apple is not. This is what I'm trying to remember. So the the uh, the channel deals. When you get the bundles, you're getting access to programming, but also some archive or some programming you can get on demand, but you're getting access sort of to the broadcast version, like what's being fed live over the cable channel. Yeah, it could be different ways. It could be um, an on-demand kind of thing where you get, you know, a menu of that channel's selections and you can watch. And and this is kind of how the, the current Apple TV channels work now. Some of them have a live a live, you know, tab. Like when you open up an app, it'll say like shows, movies, whatever. And um, some of them have a live thing and you can watch what's mm-hmm. actually going on live. And some of them are all just, you know, uh, pre-recorded on-demand stuff. So, so it could be either. All right. Well, so all I want to know to close this episode is why can't I watch the Mr. Sparkle episode of <laughs> The Simpsons on that Simpsons is World? I don't know. I don't know. I can watch other episodes, but I can't get it. And that, you I'll know, have I'm to us- check that. This, I'm using my, I'm going to be, I'm a scofflaw. I'm using my in-laws Comcast login. Come get me. Come get me. No one could prove a thing. Anyway, but. Uh, <laughs> so to, the ones before and after are there, but Mr. Sparkle is not there. What's the Well, I need to check that? other episodes. I think that whole, se- I can't get season eight. It looks like, it's funny, but Maybe I can get later season. Maybe it's been banished to the land of wind and ghosts. I don't know. I thought, <laughs> very, very, uh, <laughs> I will send you a video that will help. Uh, shoot, I should have an answer right up to that. The land of winning goes so good. Well, knife goes in, guts come out. That's disrespectful what it's all about. to dirt. <laughs> well, I see that you want to make an investment in this fine new product, so um, <laughs> I guess we'll finish there. But anyone who has advice about Simpsons, and you know, you can always give us feedback. We like to hear feedback. Send email to podcast at macworld.com. You can find us on Twitter. Susie is SFSuz, S-F-S-O-O-Z, like Z. I'm on Twitter at Glennf, G-L-E-N-N-F. And you can also go to Macworld.com and leave comments on the post for this podcast, and we will read them. We will find them and, and perhaps discuss them, or at least listen to what you say, and thank you for, for being a listener. I want to thank uh, Red Hat, the sponsor this week of our podcast. And Susie, great to talk to you again. Yes, always fun to talk to you. Well, I have been and remain Glenn Fleischman, a senior contributor to Macworld, and this has been the Macworld Podcast, episode 470 for August 19th, 2015. Thank you for joining us, and we'll talk to you again next week.